We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dosh Geo and Fanta Podcast. It is the DTF Podcast. It's 9.28 in the a.m. Monday, December 12th, Eastern Standard Time Zone, the only legitimate time zone. My name is Rob Dosser. I have with me today Terrence Oglesby, John Fanta, uh, and we were all set to have a fun, uh, a fun, entertaining, loose, energetic, typical DTF podcast when, uh, yeah. when T.O., uh, sent us a text with some breaking news this morning. Literally just found out about it uh, no more than about 30 seconds ago. Chris Beard was arrested on, I believe it was a third-degree felony um, at 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, which would have been about 3 o'clock in the morning Austin time. Uh, it was for, I believe, domestic assault, um, assault on a family member or household member, and impeding breath circulation which is a third degree felony. He was booked at uh, 4.18 a.m. in Austin, which, uh, yeah, um, don't have much more information than that. I don't want to speculate too much, but obviously not a good thing. So my immediate reaction to it is that Texas AD Chris Conti has a very, very deep situation to evaluate here. We'll see what exactly it is that he does. But my guess out of the hopper my guess if i'm a, if i'm making a prediction to you guys is that we'll see something indefinite come down immediately because 
he was booked at 4.18 a.m.? Yeah, just to, to provide a little more clarity. This is how That was four hours ago. It was yeah. four hours ago. Yeah, just to tell you how immediate all of this stuff is, um, Norlander, this, this literally just tweeted by Matt Norlander uh, 30 seconds ago. Austin police responded to a disturbance hot shot um, at 12.15 a.m. At, uh, at, at I don't want to say the, where it was, but it was the address where I'm assuming Chris Beard lives, and he was charged four hours later in the 4 a.m. hour. Uh, Del Conte is not... Um, not commented yet. I don't want to speculate too much on what actually happened there because I don't think that we have uh, enough information, but I think you're exactly right. Texas plays a game tonight. Um, they have to, they, Beard cannot coach that game. No, no. He cannot coach that game tonight. I think what you do is you suspend him indefinitely and then you get to the bottom and figure out all the facts of the situation and what exactly happened. And then you make a decision there. It's a situation where I don't think you can overlook it. You can't sweep it under the rug, especially considering the fact that there were questions about the way that this Texas basketball program handled a similar situation six months ago for a freshman on the team named Artario Morris, who uh, was arrested in June for a, uh, I think it was misdemeanor assault for a physical altercation uh, with an ex-girlfriend in his hometown of, I believe it was Frisco. So, this could be I, I don't know i don't want to speculate too much but it's something that i think we had to talk about at the open i wish i could be like i i'm so scared to like say the wrong thing right now yeah i don't let's not let's not speculate like, like on the thing well hold on because i'm I'm still new but like man why like, he, he who was goes booked. next i mean here's who the goes thing next? The facts that's the, the thing the, the facts the facts he was booked with a third degree felony he was arrested and charged with assault on a family member early monday morning with, like he was strength. arrested and charged with assault on a family member early Monday morning. He shouldn't be coaching anytime soon. You can't yeah. do that. Yeah, right. and and I, be, I don't. You got to take him out indefinitely. Until indefinitely. Something. And and the the one thing I will say is this: Texas has invested a ton of resources into Beard and a ton of resources into the future of this program under his leadership. They've they built the Moody Center with his vision of what that program could end up being like they wanted this guy to be the guy for the next decade so i don't think the decisions are going to like big picture decisions right long-term stuff in terms of uh is he still an employee at the university of texas right um i think that's going to take a long time to to work out you can't do that you can't you, you can't you can't be the head coach be the leader of men be the face of a university as big as austin is you can't do that Mm-mm. Can't do that. So we'll wait for more facts before we figure out what's going on there. But that's kind of the uh, I thought we needed to address it at the open because Chris Beard is Chris Beard. Um, and I didn't want to have that be something that we just completely ignored uh, on this podcast. So we'll get more facts on that. Check out uh, Field of 68 After Dark tonight when there is more information. It'll be myself, uh, Randolph Childress and John Henson. And hopefully we'll be able to have a little know a little bit more of what's going on. Have a little bit more information to provide. All right. Uh can we talk about happier stuff now? Because it actually was God, a that great... sucked. That yeah. sucks to talk about. Good God. That yeah. stinks. I, I think the only thing I would say is, you know, we hate doing this, but this we're talking sucks. to everybody in real time here. So as we're doing this podcast, like, guys, we're reacting to this story as you're reacting to this story as we do this pod. So 
Yeah. I love being positive, but you let's can't let's not move on. Let's let's talk about the games. Let's let's talk about the game this weekend because I don't want to. The farther we go down this rabbit hole, the more that we're going to be speculating, and I don't want to speculate on stuff because by the time people are going to be uh, hearing this, there's probably going to be more information out. So I'll end it on this. Uh, Field of sixty eight after dark. 11 o'clock tonight, myself, Randolph Childress, John Henson. We'll have more info. We'll know more. We'll be able to, to um, talk about this a little bit more coherently. All right. Wild weekend in college basketball. I want to talk before we get into kind of the, the first month superlatives from this past season. I think we have to talk about some of the games from this weekend. Um, Indiana lost to Arizona in a game where Arizona looked about as impressive as I think you can look. Uh, Maryland lost to, Sen- to Tennessee in a game that looked about as uh, unimpressive on the offensive end as either team could possibly look. Both of those teams badly needed a, a guy that could shoot it um, like John Fanta. And I, But I think the biggest story from that weekend was Alabama down by 15 on the road at Houston, best defensive team in college basketball, toughest team in college basketball, uh, uh, 7,000 people in the Fertitta Center. And they outscored Houston 42 to 21 with four freshmen on the floor for the final 15 minutes of that game in what I would argue will probably end up being as impressive, if not the most impressive win from any team that we see throughout this college basketball season. T.O., I am going to you first on this one. You don't want to talk about uh, domestic violence, but I think that we can talk about the the way that two teams play in the state of Texas. So, T.O. Solid transition. Very good transition. I'm going to you first on this one, my man. What do you make of uh, what do you make of Alabama? What do you make of the SEC? What do you make of Nate Oates Ball Club? They're pretty good. Uh, very uh, deep. You look at who played the best off that team. Noah Clowney was a dude, and that's another freshman. Everybody's mm-hmm. talking about Brandon Miller, and Brandon Miller is as good as advertised. And they did a nice job of shutting him down. He only ended up with eight points on O of eight shooting. Eight points on O of eight shooting against the toughest team in the country, and they just kept throwing bodies at you. Did Alabama? That what an impressive another impressive win. They've had some, they've won ugly, they've won pretty. Like Alabama and Nate Oates, that, that team's as good as advertised. And we put them in the top four. I think that was a consensus feel for all three of us uh, of the SEC. Like they could very well win it too. Noah Clowney, he's from Spartanburg. He's about from 45 minutes away from where I'm from. And he was the least heralded recruit out of that entire lot. And he ends up with 16 and 11. So, like, there's just so many different guys for this Alabama team, and you're able to go down. Is it Fertitta or Fertitta? Whatever it is. It, I think it's Fertitta. There's got to be an L. There's got to be an fan. L in there somewhere now, T.O. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the Fertitta. But, like, <laughs> but like that is a solid – that is a tough place to play, and they went in there against the toughest team in the country and came out with a win after last year. And you remember that whole situation where Alabama won mm-hmm. in, like, the – the was it a goal 10? Was it a not – was it not a goal 10? It was a goal 10. Alabama just loaded again. And it's a guy that nobody really talked about heading into the season, Noah Clowney, Dorman High School's finest or at least out of that freshman class last year. I mean, really impressive performance. Yeah, Fanta, I want to know how you didn't react to T.O. saying, I like the Fertitta. I, I like your pronunciation. <laughs> I tried to keep a level face on that one. Uh, because T.O. said enough to both of us that, that – That one's not surprising, right? That one's got, not as surprising. You guys should hear what he says off the record. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
it's as impressive of a win that we've seen this season in college basketball, and it has unlimited mileage, literal unlimited mileage. You tweeted it on Saturday and summed it up so well for Alabama to be down what in the second half? 17 15. points? It was 44-29 with 17 minutes left. They outscored them 42-21. to Incredible, incredible sequence of events. And for Alabama offensively to do that, to do that against any top 25 team would be pretty impressive. They did it against the toughest team in the country. Mm -hmm. That is super impressive. And it goes to show you this, that Nate Oates is one of the best program builders in America. He's done a remarkable job with Alabama. He has elevated that program so well since he took over. Remember, he took over for Avery Johnson. He took over for Avery Johnson during a time where Alabama, frankly, guys, had no relevance in men's basketball. And you knew when they hired Oates, that was a praised hire and for good reason. Noah Clowney is big time. I mean, yeah, he, is. He, he, he is a tough you-know-what. And I thought he rose to the occasion time and again in this game to go for 16 and 11 against Houston's front court is really impressive. You know, he he gives Alabama, if you think Alabama is soft or if you thought, oh, they're just a, they're just, they just did it with offense. No, to beat Houston, you've got to have a toughness factor. And they out-rebounded Houston 44 to 39 in this game. But, you know, when I, when I look at it, guys, here's the thing with Alabama. They only had nine assists in this game. They only had nine assists in this game. And what I mean by that is, it's really hard to flow against Houston. Like, yeah. it's really hard to be fluid in your offense as a team. It's That's hard such to play. a great point. You know what beats Houston? Not team play. At a certain level, to beat them, you've got to have some individual playmaking. And, and that's not a slight on Alabama as a team. They got a really good team. But to beat Houston, you've got to have some individuals step up. That's what happened in this game. Yeah, there, there was a toughness level there. The last point I want to make on Indiana, and then we can uh, – Indiana, Alabama, and then we can kind of move on from there. Um, Javon Quinterly didn't play a second in the second half. Not one second. And he, if you go back and you watch, like he's not complaining about it. He's not whining about it. He's not moping. He's not sulking on the sideline. He's the guy that's there clapping everyone on, being like, Coach, leave Jaden in there. He's kicking their ass, right? Leave Jaden in there. He's the guy that's winning this battle right now. Um, and I think that that is, one, a very different mindset than we saw from last year's Alabama team, right? I think that there was a little bit more I need to get mine on last year's Alabama team. And that's exactly what we saw out of the group. Like Nate Oates, has, for two years, every time I've talked with him about his group, has raved about – uh, Herb Jones and his ability to kind of um, put the team in front of himself to care more about this is going to be the most cliche shit you ever heard, but the name on the front of the jersey as opposed to the name on the back of the jersey. Right. And I think that's what we have out of this group this year. All those guys care about winning and care about Alabama and understand that if that happens and if good things happen to the program, good things are going to happen to them individually. So that, I that think also happens when there's a clear, when somebody clearly won a battle. Well, no, but here's the thing. Like, Javon Quinterly, uh, he's not 
I don't want to slander the kid, right? Like, I'm not trying to come at him, but he's not the kind of guy that coming into this season, I would have sat there and said, I bet he's going to be okay playing 13 minutes and letting a freshman go in there and star on the road against the number one team. And he is. Like, credit to him, right? The fact that he actually was was able to kind of let that happen and let it happen around him, is, I think, is a very good thing. And it's um, – when you have buy-in like that from your group, I think that's really important. Uh, just one note on Houston – uh, Marcus Sasser really has not looked right at all this season. He's averaging, I think he's averaging 16 points, but he has not looked like the guy that we all thought was going to be the first team All-American best guard in college basketball. I know that he's still dealing with like a shoulder thing. Um, there were questions about whether or not he was going to play in this game. So I'm not worried about Houston at all. They are who they are and they do what they do. And I think this game might've been a little bit different if Tremont Mark did not get a horrible fifth foul call on a, on a flop from uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was your boy Clowney that actually flopped T.O. So Not shocked. Yeah, credit Not to shocked. him on, on yeah, those South Carolina guys. Right? Hey man, we tried so hard to get Clowney to play with Julian Phillips on AAU. <laughs> oh, that's, that a per- nuts, that's a perfect but he ended up going down. He ended up playing for the Celtics. Yeah, that's point. a perfect transition. Let's talk about your boy Julian Phillips because Tennessee was up by as many as 18 points against Maryland on Sunday afternoon at the Barclays Center. Almost gave it all the way back. Uh uh, Maryland had a couple shots to tie the game late down the stretch. Final was 56 to 53. T.O., that was a hideous basketball game that set the sport <laughs> back at least two decades. Hey, Tennessee's good for one a year. They're good for one a year like that. Yes. Just one? Stop, stop bringing them to New York City. Just yeah, they're one. in New York. Oh, yeah, 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 New yeah. York's a bad spot. New Rick. York's yeah. a bad spot. No, no more time. games in New York. You're Last right. time they were in New York, they went to overtime with Texas Tech and won a game in the 40s. It was 37-37, headed into double overtime. Like, what are we doing? We Tennessee. were waiting for Villanova Rick. Syracuse. Remember the chorus of booze? Yep. Oh, yeah. They Rick. went to overtime and everybody stay, booed them. Stay in, in Knoxville. Stay in the South. You score in the South. You come to New York, you don't score. Stay, stay down south. south. of the Ma- Stay south of the Mason Dixon, yes. Rocky Top. Uh, no, it's a good win, man. Tough team. They guard. They guard. Yeah, them. they guard. Both teams guard. And, and Tennessee took off defensively they were causing all sorts of turnovers holding maryland i want to say in the teens from the field and then in the second half kevin willard figured him out that's what happened guys like in, in the second half kevin willard figured him out they started running that spain pick and roll like that the the, the uh the, is that what you call it what do you call it to when you set the the back screen for the the roll man yeah i call it spain, spain pick and roll they got yeah, that about what, five yeah, straight possessions down the stretch that's the nomenclature, I guess. But, yeah, Spain pick and roll, and then you get some guys out on an island and you get that five-man stuck. So what ends up happening, you get some mismatches. But I digress. This happened to be – this was more kind of an indictment on Tennessee's here-today, gone-tomorrow offense. Like, that's a that's a scary thing. Guys, when Tennessee's playing well offensively and they're turning offense into defense and turning people over, like – they can beat anybody. It's when this game slows down to a crawl. How are they going to find shots? That's concerning. Now, I, I did I did, and still do think that Julian Phillips changes things for them because typically he's a guy that can get to the free throw line. He's a guy that can make some tough shots when you need to and give them another element. But Julian was one for 10 from two. Like, that's got to be better. And I hate saying that because he's my man, but like you at the same time, like you have to have somebody able to create something whenever you're dealing uh, with a team like Maryland at the end of the game, that's really sitting down and guarding. Mm -hmm. Fanta. Well, I think that this was an example of the concerns surrounding Tennessee 
offensively and an example of why the Volunteers have failed to have the major mark, March breakthrough under Rick Barnes. And I know that it's a game in December. I know a lot of people might say, well, how, how could you conclude that? Because this has come up before with the Vols, where they go through offensive droughts. And I just look at them. They're hard to trust, guys. They're hard to trust at times. Because I think they play very, very hard. I think that they're a together group. But in this game, Santiago Vescovi goes two for 11 from the field. Two for 11 from the field. He goes two for six in this one. And Ziegler goes five for 13. And the point that I'm trying to make is, is that as good as that backcourt can be when they're meshing, which we've talked about, T.O., we've talked about that backcourt, what it can be when they're at their best, what it was in the preseason, which now, guys, I really, I kind of think differently about their commanding win over Gonzaga in the in the preseason. Like, now seeing some of the results, it doesn't come on that shocking, mm-hmm. the way they won that game. Mm-hmm. But they're just not a great shooting team. They're not. They're not a great shooting team. And and Phillips won for 10 in this game. You almost look at some of the numbers. You're like, how did they win this game? Well, it's because they, they guard, them. man. They guard. Like, they, well, the defense travels. Yeah, like, even when score. they – they but, won but, the Texas Tech game last year, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Okay. The defense, like, the defense travels. A lot of teams' defense travels. It, yeah. But to win, big picture, to win in March, your offense has to travel. Your offense has to travel. You can't just be a great defensive team, Okay. Ask Tony Bennett how that worked out for him one year. And then the next year, they, you know what? One Virginia national championship, individual plays. Yeah. Individual plays. Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy making individual plays. Tennessee's when, got some plays. think about it, that Virginia run was the, was the luckiest run in the history of, of national title winners, man. They were down 14 in the first half to, uh, was it Liberty? Who was who they playing? Whoever was that the was first when, the, yeah, everybody they were kind of getting over the jitters. Yeah, it was Gardner Webb. They were down 14 in the first half to Gardner Webb. Um, they smacked whoever they played in the second round, but in the Sweet 16, it was, I want to say it was Oregon, and they were down six with like, uh, with like four minutes left in that game. In the Elite Eight, they probably should have lost to uh, to Purdue, I believe it was. In the final four, they needed Kyle Guy to get fouled and make three free throws. Um, in the, with like 1.6 seconds left on the clock. And then they needed a game tying three from Deion. Like they could have lost every single one of those games. They could have lost all four of their last games uh, in that, that turnover run. Sorry, not to cut you off, Fanta, but that was if, if you put Virginia losing to number 16 seed UMBC in 2018 and then went to that run in 2019 to the national title and made that a movie, I'd be like, that shit, come on, man. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Come on, that's Hollywood building up what an actual NCAA tournament run looks like. Sorry, I got but it also, But the defense also gives you a baseline. That, that, but to kind of get back, <laughs> to, get, get back to Tennessee and to incorporate what you said about – it gives you a baseline. So, like, if you're able to build it up big enough of a – Difference. They're just so big and so physical. Like they're going to be able. They to are. Win. They're, they they're are. Going to be it's able to win ugly. You're going to be able to win ugly some games. And mm-hmm. you know the biggest thing is is who's their guard that can like yeah. best can be. Yeah. They just. How are they different? That's my point. That's like, the how- thing. That's what I meant. That's what I was hoping that. I, I and I still think Julian Phillips could be that guy, but they have to have they they have to have more production out of him. And guys, let's keep in mind like we can overreact all we want. They won. They still won, and it's you, you got to find a way to squeak one out ugly sometimes, and they did it. So they yeah, got Arizona Saturday. That's going to be a battle. Gosh, got- big bodies against big bodies. What a great matchup! Ooh, it's right. good. Let's talk Where's about Arizona. I think it's at Arizona. Oh, it is because it's the return of the of the game last year. That was a great. Yeah. Yes. Let's, let's talk it's about Arizona. In Tucson biggest biggest game at. Biggest game out in Tucson in what feels like a little bit. I mean, that like UCLA last year, that's McHale Center. Awesome mm-hmm. environment. That'll be fun Saturday night. Yeah. Let's talk about Arizona because they picked up a uh okay. a pretty 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 impressive win over Indiana. Indiana made a run of the second half, but for the most part, um Arizona was in control for the majority of that game. What do you uh Phantom, what do you make of this Arizona team? I talked about them quite a bit on Saturday night after the game. I think that they are uh, they are incredible offensively, and it's baffling to me how a team that plays two big men, neither of whom can have even attempt to shoot threes, can be this good on the offensive end of the floor. It's it's really something to watch. Saturday night was the difference between a Sweet Sixteen team and a Final Four team. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. I think Indiana's a good team. I think Arizona's a great team. And you've got to give Tommy Lloyd immense credit for what he's been able to do with two post players. Right. The duo of Azulis Tabellis and Omar Ballo have been sensational together, gentlemen. They play off each other. They run the floor. They make things happen. And it has basically become automatic, Robin Terrence, that Tabellis and Ballo are combining for close to 40 points per game and close to 20 rebounds per game. This isn't a one-off. It's happening pretty much game in and game out. And there's a structure to that. I think that Tommy Lloyd, last year the narrative was, well, he inherited great talent. And there's no question that he did. But he's gotten the most out of it in the process, in the way that they're playing. And honestly... When we were talking about the year of the big in college basketball in the preseason, we weren't necessarily focusing on Arizona. 
they weren't one of the focal points of this discussion. They're the embodiment of year of the big <laughs> they really are. other program in the country right now. And headband Kerr. Don't forget of about course. headband Kerr. Of course, who has evolved, guys? You got to give really Kirk Reese. He has evolved as a player. The things we knocked him on last year, he addressed. Hats off to you, Kirk Reese, because you developed in college basketball. And as a result, the Wildcats, the Wildcats can win it all. They can. And, and well, keep in mind, Kerr had six turnovers. So, but he had seven assists. He's knocking down shots. The, better. The, the, yeah, better, better. Right. But he's not as emotionally crazy as he was last year. I think that's a, that, that's obviously a point of emphasis for him. Like he's really reined it in. And I say that like tongue in cheek because I love a guy that's fired up and fiery and wants to compete. But if you're the point guard on a team, it reminds you of someone. Yeah. Yeah. See, I love that stuff. Like I like it when a guy's passionate. And then this really brings the energy every game. But like, if you look at their team, like my biggest concern about Arizona was their depth. And yet Adama Ball comes in, plays 13 minutes, not bangs in three threes. Uh, Henry Vasier, like he, he comes in and gives good minutes. Like Cedric Henderson is, is a nice player for them. I worry about their depth a little bit, but those two bigs, man, like there's such, there's such a counter to everything that everybody's doing right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, so you're a curveball, And if those guys are able to guard out on the perimeter, like they're, they're really tough to match up with on the other end because they're so big physical and play hard now. And then just a real quick point on that. They don't have to be great defensively either because Arizona is just so good on the offensive end of the floor. Like you have to run with them. They're going to put up 80, 85, 90 points on you. Right. So you yeah. have to be able to score with them. You, you don't have to be great defensively if you're Arizona. Best um, and offensive I do, team in the country. It, it's easy when you shoot 61% from the field. Yeah. And I, the reason why I think it works is twofold. One, um, they, they move so much offensively that it's very difficult to kind of be in position to, to be in position when it comes to being help side or weak side or getting those double teams in. And the other part of it is uh, both Ballo and Tubelis are great high-low passers, great entry feed passers. And specifically Tubelis, like, that dude's got the quickest release of any post player I've ever seen. Like, we talk about – I think I've mentioned this before, um, but we talk about quick releases when it comes to three-point shooters a lot. Like, that dude catches it and it's up. Yep. Catches you know it and it's great. gone. You know what's crazy is they're playing two bigs and they're still fourth in the country in adjusted tempo. They're playing two bigs and they're still that fast. Like, and it, everybody's top wants these stretch fours and versatile floor spacers and all this stuff. And Arizona's just doing it their way. And you're going to have to go back and, and basically rewrite your game plan to how you're going to guard them. Mm-hmm. And it just makes it hard because you want to be fast because they're still playing fast. So defensively, it's like, damn if you do, damn if you don't. Like, what do you do? Arizona's legitimate national title contenders. And when you, dude, they're shooting 63.5% from two. Yeah, think about it. They're legitimate national title contenders. They lost Ben Mather and they lost Dale and Terry a year earlier than anyone thought they were going to lose them. And they lost Christian Coloco. And it doesn't matter. Yep, that's right. To to hash on on, uh, Indiana real quick, uh, the fact that Trace Jackson Davis, like, this is what everybody's concern is with Indiana. Right, because like he's four for ten from two, and he ends up fouling out against really big dudes. So, mm-hmm. like, ideally, what would you like him to do against those guys? Be able to hit a jump shot, cool. and it just hasn't. It just has never really come. Now he's been wildly effective for the 
most of his career and he's an all-american because of it but this is kind of the hang-up of like why hasn't he been able to go earlier but indiana i think you were you hit it right on the head fanta sweet 16 team i, I think they're there yep. and that's good that's very good yep yes. all right let's get into uh into the first month's superlatives we have eight of them that we're going to roll through here um I'm, i got the timer out guys this is old school dtf i got the timer out we're gonna be I ready like to that. go Four minutes per topic, because uh, otherwise we can spend 20 minutes on each one of these things if we if, if I let us get going. So I'm going to open it up. T.O., we're going to you first. The most surprising team in college basketball this year is? I, I picked two just because I'm an overachiever, and you figured I would anyway. So they're, oh. they're, uh, UConn, to be honest, guys, we thought they were going to be good. We didn't know they were going to be number one in the country at Kempom good. I think that's a fair assessment. Donovan Klingon, I saw a sign the other day. It was Kling Kong. That was awesome. What a great sign. Great sign. Uh, he is a game changer. Imagine that your five position going from Adama Sanogo to seven foot two mobile Donovan Klingon. It's hilarious. Uh, embarrassment of riches. They I had a coach right tell pieces. me the other day that they are better with Klingon on the floor than they are with Sanogo on the floor, which is like kind of a Which scary proposition because like who, who like Sonogo is ridiculously good mm-hmm. and then he adds an, now Klingon adds another element and they're different they're very different in how they can operate right because he's more of a lob threat he's not going to demand the ball yada 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 the other team hey man Mississippi State got another good win last night on the road at Minnesota my man Tolu Smith as good as advertised. And I said it tongue in cheek earlier this year, whenever we did the opening thing, like Drew Timmy would be Tolu Smith if he played in the SEC. <laughs> and I was joking. But then you go back and look at his statistics, unreal. Like mm-hmm. he's averaging damn near a double double. And he continues uh, to be the go to guy on that team, on a team full of big athletes who really bored the Christians Express, perfectly suited in Starkville. Yep. The uh, Tolu Smith is currently sixth in the Kempom Player of the Year standings. Drew Timmy is third. So you know what, T.O.? I said that, dude. Hey. I, think Hummel, I think Hummel owes you an apology. Fanta. There's nothing better than being right on accident when it comes to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fanta, who you got? Most surprising team in the country. Well, to keep the game going and not repeat with anything, I, I – Totally echo what Terrence said. I would have never thought Mississippi State would have a number next to their name at this stage of the season, and they absolutely do. I am going to go with two teams from the state of Wisconsin. I'm going to start with the Badgers. They've surprised me. I wasn't sure after Johnny Davis just how good they would be, and they beat Iowa on Sunday 78-75 to in overtime. The latest case of Tyler Wall who has just grown a good player. as a player. He's a really good player, folks. And it, it's not always pretty. It's not sexy. They don't do things in a flashy way in Madison. I, I'm all about that. I'm a cheese curds and beer guy, and that's how they play. They get up in you defensively. They make you work for what you're going to get. And, it, yeah, I mean, it's look, they it's, it's not glamorous, but it doesn't need to be. And they sort of embody Big Ten basketball to a T, but it, it's a successful form at least in the regular season. And I think that the freshman Connor Asijian has given them, has given them a nice burst, like the type of burst that they needed by losing Johnny Davis and by losing Brad Davison, like Brad Davison was in college for 10 years. So they had to find somebody that could be in his first year of college and they found a CG and, and he's done very nice. So now he'll be at Wisconsin for 10 years. He's going to be a CG and a CG and shooting 47% from three. 
Amazing. 47% from three. As a freshman, they're 2-0 and in the Big Ten, and he hasn't missed a free throw all year. Chucky <laughs> Hepburn's been excellent as well. So the Badgers are one. Marquette is two. Oh. Marquette, was, Marquette was picked ninth in the Big East. They were picked to finish ninth in the Big East. The Big East has not had a strong start to the season. So the Big East needed somebody to step up, and Marquette has stepped up. They win at Notre Dame on Sunday. They beat Baylor two weeks ago. The Golden Eagles are an NCAA tournament team under Shaka Smart, and I did not foresee that coming. You know why? They didn't get significantly better in terms of transfer portal additions in the offseason. They're good. I can't believe neither of you guys said Purdue. Who had Purdue as a top five team in America? We didn't even have him as a top five team in the Big Ten. I think they were top 15. We didn't have him as a top five team in the Big Ten. They're a top five team in America. Did you have him in the top 15, Terrence? I don't I no. definitely I definitely did not. Um, all right. <laughs> the most disappointing team in college basketball is I think we all are going to agree on this one. So Fence, I'm going to you first. <laughs> well, I'm different. So I, I we all know who it is, but I'll save you guys the I'll save you. It's all North Carolina. That, I don't yeah. want to talk North Carolina though. So let's talk. The, the, if you got someone else, bring them up. Dayton. I want to talk North Carolina. Dayton. I, yeah, I know. I know you. I know you do, Tio. I know you do, Tio. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> ACC guy dancing on the grave of the Tar Heels. Anybody surprised about that? No. Fanta, go ahead. I'm sorry. Fanta. I keep cutting you off. Finish Fanta. Uh, finish I thought Fanta. Dayton could be a top 30 team in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Injuries have decimated them. They've been very disappointing, though. Yeah. I mean, they they're off to a disappointing start to the year and like I, I just I thought when we were talking with Anthony Grant in the preseason that that they would have what it it took to have a good showing at the battle for Atlantis really have a strong season and it just hasn't happened it it, it has not happened and I, I'm with you on the injuries part of it but for the Flyers to really be out of the picture tough Mm-hmm. Yeah, tough, and, and, and it's, it's not better for him either because no. those two guards got hurt uh, at Battle for Atlantis. And I'll be honest, guys, like I think we uh, overestimated what Deron Holmes is. Uh, he's a good player. I, is he an NBA long term player? Like a lot of people were saying, I he's a good player. I'm just I, I'm not sold uh, quite there. Uh, North, North Carolina is the most disappointing. They did look better last game. I know it was Georgia Tech, but they played with pace. They tried to share it. I, Guys, I just feel like, you know, they just had so many, like, energy-zapping behaviors at the beginning of the year. They didn't move the ball. They complained a lot. Like, But last game, they put Seth Tremble in. That ball started to move more, and they were playing with more energy. So I'm hoping they get right because I feel like college basketball, and the ACC in particular, is better when Carolina's good. So, like – No doubt about I, it. I just – they need they, – they have the potential to be good. Uh, they're just somewhat – some adjustments needs to be made, but they have, they, it looked like they addressed some of those things in their latest win. So we'll see how that continues to go. They just have to keep moving the ball. Like they, they're inserting some different peoples and different peoples, different players in the lineup. And uh, I think that's going to inject some energy and hopefully that continues. There were two that I have written down that we haven't talked about yet. Um, I, I did not include Villanova and Michigan state in this conversation because I think their issues have been, uh, the unavailability of players, and I don't want to uh, ding guys too much for injuries. So I went with uh, Creighton in Florida. Um, I thought Creighton was going to be like a top five to seven team in America coming into the season. Uh, we saw their issues 
uh, shooting the basketball and yeah. and what that 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 can do to them offensively and the loss to Nebraska. They didn't have Ryan Kalkbrenner against BYU, and we saw the issues of what that can do to them defensively when you don't have that rim protector and that anchor. Um, I just it has not quite clicked yet for Creighton, and I still think that they can get there because if you look at all the pieces on that roster, it makes sense. But if they're not shooting the ball well, like they just don't have a chance. That's it's the bottom line. They you can have all the the guards and playmakers in the world if you're not making jump shots. Uh, you're not going to be able to win games because teams can scheme against you. The other is Florida. Um, and maybe I was just a little bit too high on the Gators coming into the season just based off of the way that their roster was built. But Kyle Lofton has not been that guy. Like, he's not even starting for him now. I thought he was going to be an all-SEC caliber player, and he he has not been. Um, and then their three wings just haven't made the leap I thought that they would make. Kwasi Reeves, Will Richard, and Alex Fudge. Uh, two of those guys aren't starting now. So Florida, I still think they have a ceiling where they can get to a certain place where they can be really good. But at this point, they're very limited. Yeah. All right. And they're Next playing step. guys. They're playing guys. Alex Fudge. Are we are we out of time? Did, 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 you, hear, did you hear the alarm, Tio? I like her. He's like, are we out of time? I'm going to keep going anyway. <laughs> no, I didn't hear the alarm. That's why I'm asking. Did the alarm yeah. go off? Yeah, the alarm went off. Say okay, what you got to say. Alex oh, Fudge averaged like two points a game last year. And Kyle Lofton was just – had some numbers that he played like 47 minutes a game for St. Bonaventure. So fair enough. It is. Um, it is. All right. The unranked team that you are either still in on or had the, that you think has not quite uh, broken out yet this season. Can I go first on this one? I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go first on this. Yeah. One. You haven't gotten to talk. I'm going to go first on this one. And I'm going to say that it's Villanova. I'm still in on Villanova. After seeing what Cam Whitmore has done in his first two games back, seeing some of the shots that he can make, seeing some of the ways that he can play with the ball in his hands, seeing just, you know, that that his all of the stuff that we saw him do in that was it the U19s that he was playing in this summer, all the stuff that we saw him do in that uh in that U19 tournament, it's translated to the college basketball level. Now, they've done it against BC and I can't remember who the other team was that he I think it was Oklahoma, right? So it's not like um, it's not like he is doing it against, you know, UConn or Houston or Tennessee or one of the best teams in the country, but uh, he's his, his transition to college basketball has been better than I thought it was going to be quicker than I thought it was going to be. And I think that Villanova with him in, on, in, in the fold is better. And I think that uh, Justin Moore coming back will make that team. All of a sudden you have a really, really good five. If Justin Moore is, even 75% of the guy that he was before the Achilles injury. So I'm still in on Villanova. Fanta, go ahead. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Is that a penny? Is that Lincoln? Hardaway! I'm in on Memphis, oh. even though they don't have a number next to their name. Oh, Penny Hardaway. Okay, there you go. All right. It took, okay, that, that took me a minute, man. That took me a minute. I got to drink a little bit more coffee. That's how you know it's been you an early morning. I thought, you were going, I, I thought you were going Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> no. I didn't know where you were going there. Good, good one, though. No, yeah. I kept you thinking there. Thanks. I pulled out a penny for Penny Hardaway. And Memphis, 
who I am very in on. And the way you prompted it, Bobby D, was the unranked team that you're in on. I'm going to go with the Tigers because Kendrick Davis just changes so much for that team. His performance over the weekend against Auburn, 27 points, nine rebounds, and six assists. And guys, Memphis knows who they are. DeAndre Williams is a grown-ass man. Dude, my age. Exactly. He's Terrence's age. I'm in on you, Tigers. He's actually older than you, dude. He's actually older than you, Fanta. DeAndre Williams is older than you. Yeah. Folks, last year we talked on this pod. I was out on Memphis. Did not like him. I didn't like what I was seeing. I like what I'm seeing from this team. I think they've grown. I think defense is a constant with them. Guys, they're going to – I don't know if if they will – I think Houston will win the American. I think Memphis will pick off Houston in the American. I've got a gut feel there. I like the Tigers. They're the firm second-best team in the American. They're going to get ranked because I think they're going to keep winning. I think they're just starting – Guys, I'm buying stock. I'm buying stock. And I think Memphis is a team capable, capable of being in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Capable. Because they're tough as nails, T.O. And and Davis, having point guard play now at Memphis changes so much of what they can do. They now have a real identity. This could be the year where the Tigers really are back on the map here. I mean back on the map as in not just coming close in their second-round game against Gonzaga like they did, but I think they've got a nice resume blooming. I, I like the Tigers. I'm bullish on Memphis. Yep. T.O., you got about 45 seconds here. Go ahead. Mike Young of Virginia Tech. Yeah, buddy. What are we doing? How are they still not ranked? They won the ACC. I was watching – uh, our man uh, Sweeney talk about, oh, well, they could win the ACC. They already won the ACC. They won it last year, Sweeney. They won it last year. <laughs> and they got hot at the right time. But the ACC champion is the tournament champion. I feel like that needs to be pointed out. Secondly, they have dudes, and I feel like I've poured that on thick. Sean Padula, 16.9 points per game. Grant Vasily, 14.6. Justin Mutz doing everything. He's averaging 13, eight and a half and said 36 assists on a year. Like it's a team that moves the ball. It's a team that doesn't turn it hey, over. Did you see Shit, your boy hard to guard? Did you see your boy Hunter Couture dunk on uh who were they playing? It was the I world. Think- he dunked yeah. on the world. He dunked on the world, man. I did not see one, I did not see that coming from him. And two, like that dude can score. You don't too. think he, you don't think he's a he's a great athlete? I just I did not see him dunking on uh, on an entire front line for whoever he's, it was. So. He's very good. They beat the they beat. Uh, you hear that one, Tio? Yeah, the crap out of Dayton. Uh, played well against Oklahoma State. Beat North Carolina, Minnesota. Like they've had some really good wins. Beat it. Beat a Penn State team that's good, and they're showing that they're good. The only loss is at Charleston in that in the finals of the Charleston Classic, which was a, an away game on by, by two points against a team that ranks top 100 on every metric that that matters. In uh, bingo, in so it was a tough it was a tough place to play, and that's their only loss. Yep. They they could win the ACC again. Notice I say again. Yep. All right, this one this one's going to be tough. This one uh, I'm putting you guys on the spot on this one uh, because of the way that I'm about to phrase this question. I want the top 10 team that is completely. <laughs> Totally and utterly fraudulent. T.O., I'm putting you on the spot, man. Walk up, plop down to the hot seat, and let's go. The top 10 team that is 
totally, utterly, and completely fraudulent. This is important <laughs> that I that I I picked this team at 8 a.m. this morning. But my team is Texas. <laughs> like how how unfortunate, <laughs> gentlemen. How unfortunate that that's who I picked. And the reason I picked them is because all their massive wins have been at home. All their massive wins have been at home. They play on a neutral floor against Illinois and they get beat by seven. Are they, they're the number one ranked team in the country at home on the road in a neutral spot. How are they going to do? They haven't had an away game yet, guys. They've had a semi home against Northern Arizona and they've had a neutral court game against Illinois. They haven't played an away game. They don't play an away game until New Year's Eve at Oklahoma State. So that that's my biggest concern. They're guarding, but uh, the Moody Center is a place that is very difficult to play, and it's going to be a great home court advantage. <laughs> but what an unfortunate time to pick Texas. Fanta, go ahead. It's Tennessee. It's Tennessee for me. Even though they beat Maryland on Sunday, I, I just I look at this team, and I'm unsure on the offensive end at times what exactly it is that they're doing. And when you look at Olivier Kamwa and Julian Phillips, like to me, they've got the physicality. They're going to defend you. Their backcourt is something that can be hit hit and miss at times. It just can be, gentlemen. And on Sunday, Zakai Ziegler and Santiago Vescovi just, just had trouble meshing. They had trouble finding ways to produce offense when the going got tough. Did Maryland have something to do with it? Yes. We didn't even mention Maryland as one of the surprises nationally. Yeah. They, they've been surprising. I mean, nobody saw them as a, as a team that would be ranked in the top 15 of the country. And they'll move out now because they lost two games, but they're still a really good team. Like, I've had trust issues with Tennessee before, and I still have those those trust issues with the Volunteers now. So I'm going to go with Tennessee. Yep. Um, I I agree with you on Texas, T.O., um, I don't and I don't trust their backcourt fully quite yet. Uh, and I have questions about a team that builds themselves as a defensive menace that doesn't have that level of rim protection. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that that's a, a red flag to me. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to mix it up and I'm going to say Kentucky. Uh, I I just. I don't I, I don't know how it works when you don't have that guy offensively. Right. When you don't have someone that you could just give the ball to and know that you're going to get a good one, where you kind of give them the rock and say, all right, go make something happen here. Um, I love the idea of having your best player be a guy that's kind of a glorified role player, but is what I think Oscar Sheboy is. I don't think that's not a knock on him. He's not a Drew Timmy offensive weapon. He's not a Hunter Dickinson offensive weapon. Uh, He's an elite offensive rebounder. Um, he can do stuff on the defensive end of the floor. He's exceptional at what he does, but he's not a guy that you give it to and have you go get one, right? That was the issue that we saw against Michigan State. Don't fully trust their backcourt. Um, I have concerns about uh, playing him um, and uh, and Wheeler together. I think that that or Wheeler and Sheway together, two guys that can't really shoot. Uh, and I don't know if Toppin Jacob Toppin realizes that like he's not Paul George. Yet he might get there, but I don't think he realizes he's not Paul George yet. So to me, uh, I, I think Kentucky as a top ten team right now 
is probably a bridge too far for me to get to. And I would say that I would, even with the injury to Trevon Brazil, I think that they're probably the fourth best team in the SEC at this moment. All right, next up, yo, I'm going to you first on this one. And I'm going to be really disappointed if your answer is not what I'm hoping it's going to be. Oh, yeah, it is. Because the breakout star that we're not talking enough about nationally is... Tolu Smith. Yeah, buddy. We're not talking about him enough, man. His numbers are outrageous. And, guys, he can really play. Like, this is not some situation where it's just inflated numbers on a bad team. Like, this is a good player on a really good team who is a legit, bona fide, low-post threat in the Southeastern Conference. He could very well be the best five-man in that league. And that's saying a lot, but he he very well could be. He's sixth in the country in Kim Palm and player of the year ratings. He deserves it. And man, his numbers are outlandish. And he just has a feel. He can pass the ball. He is a really, really nice player. If this were 15 years ago, just like a lot of bigs, if this were 15 years ago, we'd be talking about a top 15 pick. It's just not 15 years ago. Like this is a legit dude at 6'11, 255 pounds. Mm-hmm. Fanta? Well, I'm going to Happy Valley. Jalen Pickett at Penn State. Jalen Pickett is a fun player. Immensely talented on the offensive end. Guys, he's got to be the only player in the country doing this right now. If if there is one other, please tell me who it is. Jalen Pickett's averaging 16 points, 8 rebounds, 7.5 assists. If we round up, it's eight. It's eight. Yep. He's he's averaging 16, eight, and eight. He's shooting 48% from the field. I don't know if another player in college basketball doing that. It's no. rare. It's rare to see a guy averaging close to a triple-double. Close to a triple-double. Six foot four, senior guard from New York, big-time scorer, big-time shooter, the engineer for Micah Shrewsbury's team, and... He could be the reason Penn State makes the NCAA tournament come March. Yeah. The Nittany Lions are that good. And I'll tell you what, going into Illinois and beating the Illini, really impressive. They're going to rely on the three. They've got funk, the power of funk They've from got the funk. perimeter as well. Like yeah, they, they could shoot it. They, I'll tell you what, guys, they're going to be in a lot of games because of their perimeter shooting. And Jalen Pickett's a leader. He is a leader. So I'm giving love to pick it and Penn State on this Monday morning. His assist rate is second in the country, too. Unbelievable. Yep, Fanta. And, and that's and, been a consistent. That's been a consistent throughout his career. Go. Did go, you look it up, Robert? Robert? Did you look So it up? since 1992, right, there have wow. been four players that have averaged uh, – well, before Pickett, there have been three – there were three players that finished the season averaging at least 15 points, seven boards, and seven assists. I'm wow. going to hit pause on this timer. My guy is rookie counsel. I think that he's kind of turned yeah, into like a go-to good. guy for uh for um for Arkansas. And I did not see him having this big of an impact. There's an argument you can make that he's been the best one-on-one guy that they have in Arkansas this season. Whatever. I want to play this game now. Can you name the three guys that average at least 15.7 boards and seven assists in the last since 1992? It's all happened in since 2015. Okay. There's three other guys. Can you name them? Can you guys get them? No, I can't. I'll give you I'll give you a hint. One of them beat out Buddy Heald for National Player of the Year in 2016. Played for Michigan State. His brother coaches Loyola Chicago. 
Oh, Valentine. Oh, Denzel Valentine. Denzel yeah. Valentine. Uh, that same year, played for BYU. His I, last I name. Know. His last name sounds like he is the son of the uh, the color commentator for NBC's Sunday Night Football broadcasts. Yep. Nothing. Kyle Collinsworth. Collinsworth. Okay. The last one uh, knocked would... off Virginia in the first round of the NCAA tournament as a 13th seed in the COVID year. Went viral because as a high school senior, he averaged two points. Oh, uh, Preston. Jason Preston. So Jalen Pickett from joined, Ohio. Jalen Pickett joins a list of Jason Preston, Denzel Valentine, and Kyle Collinsworth as the only players that have averaged 15, 7, and 7. Assuming he can finish the season doing that. I don't know if he's going to playing in the Big Ten, but that's how impressive wow. those uh, those numbers are. It's crazy because he's basically a four man. Yep, <laughs> he's a six four, two hundred and twenty pound four man. Yep. All right, uh, this one is probably going to be pretty easy. I don't think we need four minutes on it. But uh, player of the year is it anybody other than Zach Eady? Can you put together a coherent <laughs> argument to make that no. it's someone other than Zach Eady right now? No. no, there isn't one. There isn't one. He's the clear player of the year. Without question. Yeah, like we don't even need to spend a minute on it. Zach Eady's yeah. been the best player in college basketball thus far. He's evolved. Like that's the other thing. It's not just that he returned and he's seven foot four, so he's going to dominate. I think his feel for the game's only gotten better. Him as a passer is pretty impressive. I I, I just – you have to give him that award right now. Absolutely. You want to know what I find so impressive about him? Um, one – well, yeah, I mean, he's that big. He's that, uh, I think, immobile is probably the way that I would phrase it. But he doesn't foul, right? Like, he doesn't – you don't really see him get into foul trouble. Yeah. Um, and here's the other thing that I think is really impressive. He's averaging, like, 31 minutes a night. This isn't a, a seven-footer that's coming in and playing 23, 24 minutes. You know, he's in really good shape. He played 43 minutes against Nebraska. Yeah, 43 minutes. For a guy that's seven foot four, two hundred ninety pounds, like that's we we've talked to enough big guys. John Henson, and Patrick Young both talked about this on After Dark. The way to if you want to beat him, if you want to stop him, if you want to find a way, Geo Baker, who's beaten Purdue a bunch of times. Patrick Young, not Patrick yeah. Ewing. Did you say Patrick Ewing? Yeah, I said Patrick Young. Oh, did I, I said Patrick said Ewing. Ewing. Yeah, I might have said Patrick Ewing. You might have. I, I might have just meant Patrick Young. I meant Patrick. I know <laughs> I wasn't talking about Patrick Young. Although he might, at this rate, he might end up being an analyst on the field of sixty-eight next season. Be careful. <laughs> um, no, they both said uh, the way to beat Purdue it, and the way to like take Edie out of the game is you got to run, make him run, put him in ball screens, get him tired. That dude played forty-three minutes against Nebraska. I don't think you're going to get him tired. Um, all right, Coach of the Year. Who we got? Tio, I'm going to you first on this one. National Coach of the Year as of Painter. today. Painter. I'm staying I'm staying with Purdue. He's he's meshing all these young players around Zach Eady. And right now, there's not a team better. Right now, there's not a team better than Purdue. Uh, the way he's been able to get some of those young guys in the fold and is comfortable so quick in the season, I think uh, it goes to him. Panta? Yeah. I would this like to just cool. say for the record that T.O. got that answer wrong. Okay. Yeah, so this this was the one last night that I was thinking about in bed. Yeah, I know. I was thinking about who the coach of the year was. Um, 
I'm gonna hey, go look, outside. Don't worry, don't but, worry. Hey, that's what happens. My, when my coach of the engaged. year, I think about him when I'm in bed too. I promise you. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> there we go. This is this is a safe space. Can I can I go totally off the map? Yeah. Yes, yeah. please do it. It's the best kind. College of Charleston's Pat Kelsey. I like that one. Gets a vote from me. They have had a terrific season. They have a win over Mike Young's Virginia Tech Hokies, winning the Charleston Classic for the first time ever. Guys, there's a legitimate case for them to get in at large. Like, that that's how good they've been. If you take a look at, at where they stand right now, they were the second team out of the eighth people as well last week. They could end up being ranked. Their guard play between uh, Rain Smith and others has been really good. They've got a bunch of different guard options, and they spread the ball. They can shoot the three. I really like the way that they've played. They've got a kid named Antti Brzovic, who's who's been a nice role player for them as well. They're incredibly efficient. And, guys, Pat Kelsey has had an interesting career arc. I don't know how much longer he's going to be the head coach at College of Charleston because I think he's a really good coach, and he's got that community going. Like, he's really got that community in reinvigorated with, with everything that they're doing down there. They, they're hey, a team to watch. They got the NIL flowing. They got the NIL flowing, guys. Like, there's, there's a really good case for Pat Kelsey here. And if, and if he doesn't get the biggest award, he's going to get some recognition if College to Charleston keeps this up. So I, I go down with the Cougars, and they're a team to watch. They're a mid-major that if they make the CAA final and do what they're supposed to, guys, that they they could end up still getting consideration for an at-large bid. Yep. If yeah, you want to know why Fanta is so, hold on. You want if you want to know why Fanta is such a popular personality on uh, on television broadcast right now is because he goes down with the Cougars. Go ahead, T.O. He's down with the Cougars. I, I'm down with the Cougars as well. But let's put it this way. Uh, <laughs> That game against with the CAA is pretty top heavy. I I, I don't think I'm crazy in in stating as much, but uh, the, that game between Towson and College of Charleston is going to be an electric factory. It's it's what is it on New Year's Eve? <laughs> I was talking to I was talking to uh, Pat Scary, and he was like, "Man, I got that game at home during winter break." He goes, I got to go back down to Charleston at the end March, and it's just going to be a nut house. <laughs> I was like, yeah. He's he goes, no, excuse me. And February 23rd, Towson goes down to Charleston. Those two games could very well determine a regular season champion. In For sure. And by the way, uh, Dalton Bolin and Ryan Larson are the other guards that, that I didn't mention yet, but a lot of guard play. And it'll yeah. be interesting to see how Towson defensively handles Charleston's guard play, how that – ends up working out. I'll tell you what, Pat Scary's done a great job down at Towson uh, mm -hmm. between Nick Timberlake and company that they, they've, Cam Holden, I was about to guess Cam Holden could be that other guy that, that averaged like 15, six and six or whatever. Yeah, he, yeah. His numbers are insane too. Charles yeah. Thompson as well. So no, that would yep. be a great matchup. That, that yep. will be a really good matchup. Charleston right now has wins over Chattanooga, Richmond, Davidson, Colorado State, Virginia Tech, Kent State, who's top 75 on Ken Palm yeah. right now, and Old Dominion. All of those wins came at home. Uh, the smartest thing that Pat Kelsey ever did was go to a place where they host their own MTE that will bring in a whole bunch of big brands like that. So good for him. But I just want to say that so far in this discussion, mm -hmm. nobody has named Dan Hurley. 
And nothing has ever been more evident to me of the anti-UConn bias on the field of 68 because I am a UConn fan than right now. We made it all the way through this I gave him love at the beginning of the show. Dan Hurley is not even mentioned for National Coach of the Year. He he should be. And definitive anti-UConn bias on the field of 68 media network pushing back against me just because I happen to be born in the state of Connecticut. Everybody else hates them. Everybody else is against them. It's it's clear. It's definitive. I am cutting this clip, and I am sending it to the UConn staff so that everybody on that roster knows. We've been giving them love the whole show. Clear, definitive, anti-UConn bias, specifically by that man, John Fanta, right there, who's called 27 UConn games so far this year. He's <laughs> Look at his face. Yeah, everybody's giving UConn love. Dan needs to be in the. How about if if that happens, say that'd be two Big East National Coach of the Years in consecutive in a row, in a row with with uh, with Cooley. Look, UConn is Final Four good. I I think that they're the best team in the country right now. Well, let's get into that. Let's let's transition right now. We're making our new updated official Final Four picks. Um, Fanta, you go first. Here we go. Arizona, UConn, Baylor. I still like the Bears, guys. Virginia. I'm mad at that. Virginia. Virginia. All right. Poise, um, the ability to to get guard play. And I, I think that their veteran presence across the board between Beekman and Clark, Jaden Gardner, like I, I still like UVA. And I, I think that UVA will win the ACC. They should. So if they don't, it'll final. be a very disappointing performance. Are they um, – it's Beekman injured, T.O.? I, I don't know right off the top of my head, no. He was banged up in a, in a previous game. They were talking about it. Anyway, but look, sorry. UConn's Final Four good. And, and, yep. and the reason is, guys, I don't know how you – I don't know how you scout for UConn, and after doing the scout, you believe you've got a good chance to win, Right? I think you're sitting there scouting for them, and I get this sense from others. And you're thinking, we've got to live with this and hope it goes our way to have a chance. Mm-hmm. That's when you know that you're facing a really good team. Here's what a high major coach said to me. We nailed our scout, <laughs> and we didn't have a chance. Everything that they wanted to do, they did. And they they thought that they did it pretty well. Who is that? I, I, I'm, I'll tell you off the air. I don't want to say it. On no, 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 I could bet you I know who. What it team is. are we talking about? Sorry, UConn. UConn, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. They <laughs> nailed they nailed their scout, and we didn't have a chance. There you that, go. That just quote. proves that yeah. just proves the point. They, they do not have a drop off, and it's almost like by having guys from two to five that know who they are, know what their strengths are, know their roles, they don't have to have elite point guard play to win. They just need capable point guard play to win and the point guard to know what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Credit to Tristan Newton. Yeah. Who has sacrificed all the scoring he did at East Carolina and is recognizing that he needs to be a distributor on this team and make plays for other guys. And the fact of the matter is this. There's an unpredictability with freshmen. But Alex Caravan came in for his for the second semester 
of last year. He learned, he grew, he took on the process. The guy has no social life. It's no knock on you, Alex. That's okay. I didn't have much of one either in college. I don't believe that. I don't believe that for anything. Come on, are you kidding me? I don't believe that. Are you kidding me, Fanta? We've heard stories. Look, you forget stories, but you can say this. You you can say you can say whatever you want, but I just want you to know for the record, Dagan Hughes, your friend from Seton Hall, oh, works with us. Yeah. Hey. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> we I'm just putting that out there. there. You can't lie to us, baby. You can't lie to us. <laughs> yeah, but like it, for me, college was a little bit like Frank the Tank in old school. Like I didn't go out every weekend, but then when I did, it ran into some of the some of the you know the frivolity that you see in old school. Like when his when his wife hears that he's going out, and she's like, "Uh oh, like you're going out tonight." We know how that's gonna end. It was. It was zero to 100 real quick, guys. So for UConn, how do, how do we get on this topic when we're talking about UConn? I guess I guess that's what Rob will be at the final You said four. Caravan doesn't have a social light, neither did I. I know, so, so. I know. Well, well, Caravan's committed to basketball. Klingon is... Nothing else to do in stores. Klingon could be one and done. No, I don't, I don't think that he will be just because look at... I look don't at think he will be, but he could be. He's 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 gonna he's gonna be a first team All American next year, right? The only I, I'm the, with the you. Only, the only thing I the, like the only reason I say that is because look at all of the great five men that have proven more than just doing against LIU, right? I, I don't think that he's better than Hunter Dickinson right now. I don't think that he's better than Armand DeBacot right now. I don't think he's better than Shibay right now. There's just so many. He's great more mobile things. than all three of those guys you just mentioned, though. Yeah, like, but it's still defensive potential is better than all three of those guys. And yeah, that's what I got they look you. for in the NBA. Yeah. All right. So like, give me different there. Give me your final four picks. Uh, wait, did we all did we get all yours, Fanta? Yes, you did. You got yeah, it. So Arizona, UConn, Baylor, Virginia. Okay. Go ahead, Tio. Okay. Houston, Virginia, UConn, Arizona. And then my fifth being Tennessee, because I just feel like this it's time for them to break through. Did you just give us like five final four game. picks? Yep, I, with the outside looking in Tennessee, I think they make. Wait, I do it ever. I do it with everything we do. Wait a minute. 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 It's the only way. It's the only way. Come on a second. It's the only way I got through college. Giving that extra effort. Give us the. Wait a minute. You five final four. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. Final five. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Final five. You think? You actually think Tennessee is that good? I think they're close. Really? I, I don't see close. it. I just I, I watched I, I didn't see it on television. I watched them in person. I'm like, holy shit, this team is huge and they can bully people into wins. I'm just I'm I'm worried about not being an elite offense um when it comes yeah. to being able to make the run to the final four. But I will say we have not seen there's still there's still room for them to grow because we have yeah. not seen Julian Phillips be the guy that we know he can be. And mm-hmm. I still think that their guards are kind of figuring out like they're bringing Ziegler off the bench. Right. And we all thought he was going to be a stud. So I I think that there's still a ceiling there. Um, I have two other SEC teams in my final four. So I have UConn making it to the final four. I have, I think that they're going to win the national title. I think that they are the best team in the country. And I think that there's a, a decent margin between them and who's number two. And I may be entirely biased, right? But I just don't. No, see I, you're not. But it is what it is. I, I think they're that good right now, too. 
Yeah, I don't see a weakness in in their game. And I think Andre Jackson is the single most underappreciated player in college basketball and the single most important piece to that group being as good as they are. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, I have Arkansas making the final four. I just look at them and there's no other team in the country that I can see that has four first round talents in their starting lineup. I know that Trevon Brazil is hurt. Um, If they had Trevon Brazil, I would probably have Arkansas as my second favorite team to win a national title this year. I think they're that talented. I think Muss is that good. Um, Alabama, I think they have – when you put together this group with that talent, uh, with that length, with that athleticism, and with that unselfishness, I think that they are going to be able to find a way to to get it done and make it there. And then I'm with you guys. I have Arizona. I just – I can't – I can't watch them and not envision that offense putting up 90 points every game until they get into the Final Four. So that's my final four picks. Do you guys want to name a national champion? Are you going with anybody other than UConn? Right now, no. Arizona would be right there, but right now, no. So we officially just jinxed it. UConn is losing in the second round of the NCAA tournament since we won <laughs> the national title. <laughs> I, Arizona. I don't, I'll pick Arizona know, then. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'll tell you. We're a month One in. of the things that Kelvin Sampson said to me a couple of weeks ago is that his team's going to lose. Like he, he legitimately said, my team's going to lose. He goes, but I kind of want us to lose a game. He goes, I want us to lose. I want us to experience losing. I want us to go through it. Because here's the thing, guys. There's just not many chances that Houston's going to lose in the American. There's not. So I think going into March, we're going to be talking them up. Because they they could re- like they could legitimately reel off like 15 wins in a row, and I wouldn't be shocked this yeah. year in the American. However, you know I, I I'm still bullish on them, and and I think the key is what you said at this top of the podcast, Rob. Marcus Sasser's got to be back to Marcus Sasser for me to think of them as that. Mm-hmm. But my gut all year has said Houston or Baylor. I I don't know why Baylor. I've just I still really like their makeup. I think they had a terrible showing uh, at Marquette. I think they had a bad night, and I think it was a bad night. But I think Keontae George just opens up a different dimension to that team, and he's been one of the best freshmen in the country. So, you know, we we haven't talked we haven't talked about the team that like nobody's got Alabama in their Final Four. Oh, you do. You I do. do have. You yeah, do have I, like, I like Alabama making the run. Uh, but listen, we've been here. I think you have your you have your work cut out for you today with cutting this thing down <laughs> trust me it's not the first time i've had to deal with this before yeah you uh, work you work with a guy named goodman like yeah exactly like goodman will, will record an entire podcast will send it to me and be like listen you got to figure out we talked about uh i have this one sentence in the middle of it somewhere i don't know where it is but you got to make sure you cut it out and it's just like, <laughs> okay thanks jeff uh anyway listen this has been the dtf podcast it, it was different than what i thought it was going to end up being um, hopefully we'll have more information on other situations uh, by the time we talk on After Dark tonight. But I will tell you this. It was a lot of fun talking through some of the uh, the superlatives from the first month. It was a fantastic first month of college basketball. I don't think I could be more excited for what we have in store the rest of the season. Uh, it's going to be slow the next couple of weeks. We got finals. Uh, we have Christmas coming up. Next episode, I'm going to get John Fanta to give me the definitive ranking for the best Christmas songs there are. So it's Fanta. You might want to start preparing for that right now. Uh, before Terrence Ogles, before John Fanta, I was Rob Doster. This is the DTF Podcast.